Again, let me express my, my honor and gratitude for being able to be a part of such an amazing meeting. I believe that long time from now, even past this life, we'll talk in heaven about what happened in meetings like this. Because spiritual things, what God does, it's forever, the Scripture said. So we're at the right place, at the right time. Amen. Would you turn with me to 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, the last uh, session that I ministered on, we used this text. And if you weren't with us, I'll uh, review just a little bit. I had mentioned that uh, having been in, you know, if you want to talk about word people, faith people, I am one. And I, I like our company. But, you know, we've been around long enough now to develop our own traditions. And not all of them are the word. And... I've come to the last uh, couple of years, especially the Lord keeps pointing out to me this phrase, I'm believing. I'm believing. I am believing. And I'm noticing that we, as a group, are overusing this phrase and abusing this phrase. You saying I'm believing when we're not actually believing. And substituting it for a more honest phrase in many cases would be, would be I'm wishing. <laughs> I'm wanting. I, I want it to be. Just because you want something doesn't mean you're believing it. Just because you need something desperately doesn't mean you're believing it. And so this passage in 2 Corinthians 13 and the fifth verse, I believe it is, I'm reading the New Living Translation. It says, examine yourselves. Everybody say, examine yourselves. <laughs> examine yourselves to see, King James says, whether you be in the faith... This says to see if your faith is genuine. Why would you need to say that? Well, 1 Timothy and then also again in 2 Timothy uses the phrase unfeigned faith. Well, feign means to pretend. If there's not pretend faith, what else must there be? Pretend faith. And this has caused a lot of confusion. Because there have been many cases where people were calling something faith that's not faith. And then it didn't work. And there weren't results. And people have gotten discouraged. And people have said, well, see, there's nothing to all that 
confession stuff and all that, you know, believe you receive it and all that kind of that, that believing, believing, there's nothing to it. And then people also, even in our camp, talk about faith failures. I dislike that phrase very much. Our faith as believers is a measure of God's own faith. Is it true or not? Jesus said, you know, in, in Mark eleven twenty two, have the faith of God. And to every man has been given the measure of faith. A measure of what faith? Where did this? It's God's own faith. It's a measure, a degree of the very same faith that is inside the Almighty who sits on the throne, it's what he created the heavens and the earth with. He conceived it in himself and he spoke and it was done. Believe it in your heart. Say it with your mouth. That's as powerful as it gets. And the real faith of God cannot fail. Does not fail. There's no such thing as the faith of God failing. There is, however, many situations where something is called faith, but it's not faith. If there's unfeigned faith, there's feigned faith. And why would he say, examine yourself to see if your faith is genuine? We need to be checking up on ourselves, right? And let me, let me challenge you. Let me encourage you. When you hear these words coming out of your mouth, I'm believing. I'm believing that. I'm believing for. I'm believing that this will or I will. Pause a moment and, ask, and examine yourself. Am I believing? There's another phrase I really don't care for. It is, I'm just saying. Come on. <laughs> what if God made a statement and said, I'm just saying. <laughs> don't pay any attention to that. No, life and death is in the power of the tongue. And when we say we're believing for something and we're not, and it doesn't happen, it hurts our faith. When we pray and say we believe we receive when we didn't, we're pretending, we're playing. It hurts our faith. We don't need to say unless it comes to pass. We don't need to pray unless it's a prayer God can answer. The Lord had spoken to me, if you'll be more selective you'll be more effective. You can be too quick to say, I'm believing for this or that. You can be too quick to pray. And just because somebody wants you to believe with them for something doesn't mean you just automatically say, yeah, I'm believing with you for it. Are they believing? Hmm? What's the question? I'm believing for. Okay, I'm not saying you're not. But are you? And if you are, based on what? All faith has a foundation. Faith in God 
is based on what he said. You have to have heard from him to have faith. Anybody know how faith comes? I know in this, in this group you're going you're gonna to tell me. How does faith come? I, I recently taught on that again. And I noticed these words. Romans 10, 17. So then faith cometh by hearing. And hearing, the King James says, by the word of God. Actually, those words are by the rhema of the Christos. The word there is Christ, not just God. And rhema is the spoken word. You put it together, how does faith come? By the anointed spoken word. It doesn't come just by the sound of words bouncing off of your eardrum. Faith doesn't come automatically from you dronely reading a text. You can tell when faith comes. Anybody awake in here? Come on. You can, faith is real. Faith is real. You can tell when faith comes. You can tell when it is, and you can tell when it ain't. And there's been times I wanted it to be, but it just wasn't there, especially concerning other people. Especially when you say, I'm believing that Auntie, you know, Bessie is receiving her healing. Hold on. So many people have been disappointed and discouraged because, you know, something didn't turn out the way they wanted it to. What St. Bessie believing? You can't just believe something on her apart from what she wants. If we could do that, we'd believe salvation off on everybody, whether they want to receive Jesus or not. God's not going to do that. You can't. The only way we can get this right all the time is to be led by the Spirit. He's going to lead us in line with this Word, of course. But somebody said, you know, people say, well, what do I do? Well, stand on the Word. Stand on the Word. That's one of our other favorite phrases. Stand on the Word. But you got to watch. It can become a generic catch-all. What do you do? Stand on the Word. Well, it's a big book. Right? We standing on the whole thing from Genesis to Revelation? No. No, you're not. Every day, we need to hear from Him. Come on, are y'all with me? Every day, every situation, we need to hear from Him. And the more of the Word that we have in us, the quicker we'll recognize Him speaking to us. Is that right? And, and he's got more to bring to our remembrance and to quicken us with. But no, we're not standing on the whole Word of God in every situation at every time. There is a Word in season. Hallelujah. There, there is a Word that the Holy Spirit will quicken to you. Oh, hallelujah. And when you got that, faith comes. Right? You have heard from him and that's how faith comes. This 
possible to be in a great meeting and let your mind wander all over the place and be there for days and not hear from him. I'm sure that's not the case with you, but it's possible. It's possible two people be in the same meeting. One person be thrilled beyond words. The other people, the other person be bored to take a nap. But they're not hearing. One of them's hearing from him, and the other's being distracted. Go with me, if you would, to the book of John. Chapter 2. Thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I recently was teaching some extra on faith, if you can believe that. And uh, I was, I was backing up to see how basic I could be, how basic I could be. So I thought, well, okay, the first thing then will be what faith is. And I had asked the Lord to help me get this as basic and, and as simple and yet as powerful as we could. And he, he answered my prayer. He said, no, that's not first, what faith is. I thought, no. He said, why faith is, <laughs> is first. <laughs> why I thought, why? He said, yes. He said, because faith is how I operate. And faith is how I told you to live. That's, That's why faith is. So when people start talking about, well, yeah, this faith movement is about to its end. And God's doing a new thing. And there's a new way. Faith is not a movement. Faith is not a group. Faith is not a doctrine in a segment of time. Faith is how God himself functions. It's how he told us to function and live. And here's here's something that you have, if you haven't thought about it, it's amazing. The faith that you and I are developing now, we will carry with us past this life and we will use it in ruling and reigning in his kingdom and it will continue to develop. Now you you didn't hear that. It'd be hard for you to stay in your chair. What what are you talking about? How many of you have been walking with the Lord longer than a year or two? Let's say 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. How many would say you have come a long way, baby? (laughs) Right from where you were 30 years ago to now, how you see things, how you think, how you pray, how you speak, how you live. Has your faith developed? Has your spirit developed? What say we continue that 30-year 30 de- 30 development for another 3,000 years? And what if you get out of the limitations of this cursed realm and you really take off in your development? Where are you going to be by in operating in faith a millennia from now Amen. or two or three? That's, at this point, uh, people don't know who we are, that we are the sons of God. But by that time, everybody will know 
who you are when they see you, it will be undeniable. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why? Because you are operating as God operates. You believe it. You see it. You speak it. You release creative power. We don't wait till then. We're doing this now. Hallelujah. We're speaking to our kidneys and our lungs and our hearts. We're speaking to our minds. We're speaking to bills and calling them paid. We're calling resources in for the church and for the kingdom and the gospel. We're doing it now. You and I are in training. And what we develop, we take with us past this life. Whew. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Said out loud, I have a measure of the faith of God. I live by faith. I walk by faith. I overcome this world by faith. I live in faith giving glory to God. Yeah, I'm in the right place. I'm in the right place. Now, when he says, examine yourself, what's he talking about? Examine what? Well, I tell you what, before you go to John 2, you hold your place there. We've read this and heard this already, but faith comes by hearing. Abraham in Romans 4 is given as a supreme example of faith, a father of faith. And the scripture says in in Romans 4.19, he was not weak in faith. He considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able to perform. So when we examine ourselves, whether we're in faith or whether our faith is genuine, what are we looking for? Faith is of the heart, not the head. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean to your own understanding. Faith is not mental. Faith is not knowledge. Faith is not of the intellect. It's not of of reason. It's not logic. Faith is of the heart. And what we should be checking is not how many scriptures we know. Faith's not not up there. Come on, help me out. Put put your finger on your head. Say, faith's not up there. It's not up there. Where's faith at? Faith. Is in your heart, not your blood pump, but the center, the core of your being. The hidden man of the heart, Peter talks about. What am I looking for when I'm checking my heart? Am I persuaded? Or am I pretending? Hmm? 
Am I persuaded? Or am I pretending? Examining ourselves whether our faith is real. So when I, when I say, I'm believing for this, I'm believing for that, I'm believing this is going to happen, I'm believing that's going to happen, I need to be checking up on myself. I need, to, I need to check my heart when I say that. Now, are you just talking? Do you really believe? Are you really persuaded about that? Based on what? And not be in this habit of just saying that to, to make other people think I'm spiritual or to make other people think I'm with them. When they may not be in faith themselves. So if, we, if you're with them, where are you? And so many times the reason people are trying to get you to believe they say with them is because they're not believing. They want you to believe it in for them. In spite of them, they hadn't heard from God about it. You sure hadn't heard from God for them about it. Now, I'm not saying you can't pray a prayer of agreement with somebody. You can, but there will, when it's right, there will be a quickening. Hmm? When somebody starts talking to you, I don't care if it's a, a loved one, a friend, a stranger. They start talking to you about you. Would you pray a prayer of agreement with me? I'm not saying you don't, but you say, tell me, tell me about it. Tell me what you're talking about. And while they're talking to you, you're not just listening to the words coming out of their mouth. You're checking your heart. You're seeing if God's saying anything to you about this. Hmm? And if he's not, even though you may care, even though you may have compassion, if you don't have it, you don't have it. Don't pretend. Somebody say, don't pretend. Don't, don't pretend. I have seen so many cases. We've all made mistakes now. No condemnation, but let's learn. Let's grow. So many people talk big stuff. And they're playing. They're playing faith. They're pretending. I'm going to do this. I'm going to believe for this. I'm believing for that. And I'm believing for the other. And as you grow and develop spiritually, you can hear faith. You can hear when it is. And you can hear when it's not. Now the Lord didn't tell us to examine each other. But you need to know if you can recognize it in yourself, you will recognize it in them too. I'm believing for this. I'm believing for that. Two big things, and we'll see how much time we've got to deal with these. If we're examining ourselves whether we're in the faith, what are we looking for? Two big things I have seen in myself and in others. One, a pretending that you've heard from him when you haven't. Pretending you've heard from him when you haven't. Now, you remind me, if I, if I were to not bring it up, you remind me there's another one. There's a number two. <laughs> but let's talk about this a little bit. As pastors, my wife and myself have the privilege of endeavoring to help take care of people and lead and feed. And uh, we notice, and the, the further we go, we've been in the ministry now 
35 years. And the further we go, we're noticing more and more how you can help some people more than you can others. Not that you care more about them. It's just you're able to. And the Lord will give you things for them. When others, he doesn't. What are you talking about? It has to do with what place they give you. The Lord actually said this to me years ago when I first started pastoring. He said, many of my people, I don't mean to heard a voice, but inside me. He said, many of my people are not deriving the full benefit of my gifts. They're not deriving the full benefit of the gifts that I've given. He's talking about the ministry gifts. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. He said, because they, they won't give them place. They don't give them place in their lives. And he said this to me years later. He said, many of my people are working without a net. What does that mean? That's a circus term. Huh? If you're on the trapeze, if you're walking the high wire, if you're working without a net, what does that mean? If you fall, there's nothing to catch you. Nothing to help save you. And God gave gifts to men. And ministry gifts, it doesn't mean they're smarter than you. It wouldn't even necessarily mean they're more spiritual than you. It wouldn't even necessarily mean they need more word than you. Well, then why should I listen to it? Because God chose them and gave them a place in your life. And what they have you don't have is an anointing for that place. And God will give them things that will help you. If, if, and it's a big if, if you will be open to it, if you will give them place. I can think of several situations right now that the Lord used my wife and I through word of knowledge, through the wisdom of God to help spare them from going off on a wrong track. And hurting themselves and hurting their family and hurting their finances. I can think of place after place after place. Not that we knew so much God cares about them and would even wake us up in the nighttime and give us things to tell them or show things about it. And the reason we could is because they had given us the place. We knew we could talk to them about it. Without them pitching a fit, without them being offended and getting upset, they genuinely had given us a place. Many times people will say, I've had people say, oh, Brother Keith, you get anything. You get anything. You tell me now. I, you know, what? I don't care what it is. Most of the time, that's just not true. Maybe they think it is, but most of the time... So many things you cannot tell people. If you brought it up, they'd leave the church. They wouldn't talk to you again. (laughs) 
And this is one of the bigger, one of the things. We, we've seen several individuals and, and families that left and went a direction and it wasn't blessed. They struck. Now, I don't mind anybody leaving our church, leaving our ministry, if you're going to go on and do something good for God. Right? Man, if you can go on and do bigger and better, get going. Right? But I'm not okay with somebody leaving a place where they're getting fed and growing and going into a place where they quit growing and get discouraged and quit going to church altogether and quit giving and quit praying. Come on, you understand what I'm saying? That ain't God. I don't care what anybody said. Somebody missed God. Because the path of the just, the path of the righteous, come on, help me out, saints, it gets, it gets brighter and it gets brighter until the full day sun. Well, when things get brighter in more light, you see better. When you're saying, I don't know what's going on. I don't know why I'm still here. And I don't know why we're not fulfilling our call. I don't know why. I don't know what's wrong with me. And nobody will accept my gift. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. You are in darkness. All of that ignorance, don't know, don't know, don't know, means you got off the light path. You took an exit that you shouldn't have taken. And off the path, it gets darker and darker. On the path, it gets brighter and brighter, which means clearer and clearer. You see. Sadly, I, I, I don't know it the dozens of times. So we find out about some of our friends or somebody that's supposed to be under us in the ministry, in the church, or some other way. And we hear about a decision that they made and something they're doing. And Phyllis and I look at each other and just shake our head. And next thing we say, well, they didn't ask us. And so many times they just came and told you. I've heard from the Lord. God told me to do this. Well, what am I going to say? Hmm? It'd be mighty bold for me to say no. You didn't hear from God. God didn't tell But what's even bigger than that, if you didn't ask me, I got no place. Now, if the Lord tells me to say something, I will. That's another thing. But normally, if you don't give place to spiritual leadership that's supposed to be over you, you are not going to get the full benefits. Hmm? You're not going to get the wisdom. You're not going to get the help. There are times that you need to ask. Everybody say ask. Ask. Don't tell. Ask. Ask your spiritual elders and leaders and say, you know, I'm thinking about this. I'm looking at this. And I think maybe the Lord told me well, I don't know if God told me or not. Uh-huh. My spiritual father in the faith, Kenneth Hagin Sr., he had multiple visions of the head of the church. Looked the head of the church in the eye. 
and talk to him. And he would talk like this. He said, now, this is something that came up to me. If it doesn't bear witness with your spirit, just put it on the shelf. If a prophet who's seen the head of the church talks like this, how adamant should you be? Hmm? Here's the thing. You can genuinely sense something from the Lord and jump to a wrong conclusion about it. Put your own interpretation on what it means and what to do. You did genuinely get something, but then you made a leap that wasn't there. You decided it means this or that means I should do this. That's where experience comes in. That's where headship anointing comes in. Not because they're smarter than you, but because God will give them things just for you. Can you see what we're talking about now? That doesn't have to be always the head people. It can be the people that are under them or the people that are under them. It's whoever the Lord has given in your life. But ask. Come on, say it out loud. Ask, ask. Watch about telling, especially an elder. Watch about telling. Ask. It opens the door. Even when you think you know. Ask. If it's right, you'll just get good confirmation. And you can leave going, I thought that was right. I thought it was right. Huh? And if not, you'll go, hmm, I better cool my jets a little bit here. Right? I remember when I was first starting out in ministry, I heard a doctrine that was sweeping the town and the country. I got all excited about it. I thought, yeah, 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 there's the scriptures, there's the scriptures. And Brother Hagin got up healing school and began to teach. He didn't call any names, but he taught crosswise of it. And I could see as the days went by, he didn't believe that. I thought, huh, yeah, but this is, this is God. There were even some folks coming out and saying, well, you know, he's the older generation. You know, he's the Moses generation. Moses didn't get to go into the promised land. We're the Joshua generation. Let me give you two identifying characteristics of a wrong spirit. You will not be able to judge doctrine solely by your knowledge of Scripture. Don't send me any letters. I've already got them. Why? Because nobody you know is perfect in doctrine. Some folks didn't like that either. We only know in part. That means there's parts you don't know. How how could you be perfect in doctrine with all these missing holes? But what you can judge, the Bible didn't say try the doctrines. It said try the spirits. And you can and should do that. And one of the two, two of the telltale indicators of a wrong spirit, which would make, if it's coming, if that doctrine's coming from that, it's a wrong doctrine, whether you see it yet or not, is number one, 
It promotes looseness. It makes provision for the flesh. Number two, no no, uh, significance in this order, it's disrespectful. The devil cannot help himself. He can't hide his disrespect. And when you hear people who are haughty and disrespectful of their elders and speak disrespectfully of their pastors, wrong spirit, wrong doctrine. And it may look like all the scriptures line up. That's only because the devil is very clever. He quotes scriptures. He can quote scriptures better than you any day of the week. Oh, yes, he can. And so that's why I'm saying you're not qualified to judge it all just by your knowledge of this. But you've got the author of the book inside you. Hallelujah. And he will help you to see. And you, all you got, if something bothers you about it, then you just go, I've got to back off of this. And that was, that's what happened to me. I, I'll be honest with you. I was very young. I didn't see it. I kept thinking, well, I even thought, well, you know, wonder, wonder if they're right. Wonder if Brother Hagin's wrong. You know, I, I don't know. And, and then thank God for the Holy Spirit. After a few weeks, I thought, now hold on here. I've been in this for about, you know, a year. <laughs> He's been in this at that time for 40 years. He's had multiple visions of the head of the church. He can, he can quote more scriptures than I can find with a concordance. Now, is it amazing that we young whippersnappers have somehow gotten this great revelation and have surpassed our elders in a few months? Something don't seem right here. So by the grace of God, I said, Lord, I don't understand it. It looks to me like the scriptures are all there, and that's right. It looks to me like, but I'm going to, you sent me here, and I know respect is right. And so I'm going to be quiet and listen. And I'll be honest with you. It took almost a whole year for me to see that that was wrong. But see, by submitting to my elders, it gave God time. It gave God time to help me and teach me. Can you see this? Because... Here's the thing that confuses people. They think, well, yeah, but this is spiritual. I got this revelation and this is spiritual. The devil never comes as the devil. Ever. He transforms himself into an angel of light. He comes pretending to be a messenger from God. That's it. That's his main MO. That's how he comes. And he's quoting scriptures. God gave us the book to judge everything by. He gave us the author of the book. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. To tell us what the book means and help us rightly divide it. And he even gave us on top of that gifts. Oh, come on now. Gifts. 
that he has poured into for decades and decades and put love in their hearts for you and will anoint them with wisdom to help you through your formative years. If, big if, if you will give it place. So too many times people have said, God told me, he directed me to do this, and God told me to do this, but the truth is, he didn't. And so they can't help but have pretend faith because their hearing from him is pretend. Can you see this, friends? So when we're examining our hearts to see whether we're in faith and our faith is genuine, what are we looking for? Are we persuaded? Have we heard from him? Did you still have John? Go to John, please. Second chapter. This is the second part. Are you okay? Some folks are very adamant about me and Jesus, me and Jesus. That's it. I'll get all I need from me and Jesus, me and Jesus. He must not have thought so. He gave you gifts. Hmm? What if the hand, we're told spiritually we're like the human body. What if the hand said, I only take my direction straight from the head. That's it. I don't receive through other body parts. <laughs> Direct only. <laughs> you see my hand doing this? Where's it getting this direction from? The head. But it came through the neck. Came through the shoulder. Right? Came through the upper arm. Came through... The lower arm. Which is why the enemy is always trying to get strife between body parts because it can block a supply of the spirit. What if the hand and the wrist have a falling out? And the hand says, wrist, I am done with you. I no longer receive anything from the head through you. And the wrist says, that's fine by me. I'm done with you too. That's when parts dry up. They dry up. There are numerous things, no matter how spiritual you are, how much you love God, how much faith you have, how much of the Word you know, there are many things you will not get directly from Him. He has ordained that you get it through another body part because He wants you to have that connection with that body part he wants the parts to love each other. Come on, can you see that? He's, he, you can beg him all you want to give it to you direct. He won't. He has ordained that you get it through this channel. And there are numerous reasons why. John 2, are you there? Hey, hey. Are we doing okay? John 2 is the account of the very first miracle that occurred in Jesus' ministry. Now, there are some apocryphal writings 
that will describe Jesus healing little play friends as a child or raising a little bird from the dead or something? Don't you believe it? I said, don't you believe it? Because according to the Scripture, these things did not happen until he was baptized in the River Jordan and the Holy Spirit came on him, right? Then he went out after the temptation in the power of the Spirit and we begin to see mighty deeds because he didn't do it as God. He had to be anointed. He did it as a man, anointed with the Holy Spirit. Now, here we see the, what the Bible calls the first miracle. Verse 1, the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted or lacked wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Jesus said to her, woman, now this is not disrespectful. If you look more in the languages, it's a respectful term. What have I to do with you? Mine hour is not yet come. That sounds a bit curt in the King James, but it's not. How many believe the Lord is not mean to his mother? (laughs) All right, we got that settled. Uh, (laughs) But notice there's there's a real lesson here. He's functioning as a man. And he says, you know, what's that to us? Well, they ran out of, you know, supplies. They ran out of wine. He said, okay. What's that to us? There's a real revelation here. There's a whole lot of stuff. There's nothing to you. A whole lot of situations, even needs, that are not, unless the Lord says something to you about it, it's nothing to you. And you don't want to go around pretending you are the provider. Acting like you can come in, fix everything, and do everything, because you can't. Again, you'll get into some pretend faith, and you'll be disappointed and discouraged, because you're actually trying to show off. And the truth is, without Him, we can do nothing. So He said, uh, what's that to us? But she, no doubt prompted by the Spirit, she turned around and said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. This is the key to getting miracles. It is so simple. The enemy does his best to hide it and obscure it and make it complex, but it's not. Remember there was another one I, th- I said about, you know, examining ourselves whether our faith is genuine. One, people pretending they've heard from him. Here's, here's the, uh, the other one. People who have heard from him but won't do it. What you get into here is what James calls dead faith. We must act on what he directs. Action. I mean the great healing evangelists of the 50s and earlier 
They knew this. And even in the, the tent meetings and other places, they knew. And the people would come to the meeting that had never walked with a box with a new pair of shoes in them. Oh, y'all didn't hear me. People who had never walked would go buy them a new pair of shoes and bring them to the service. Why'd they do that? Where'd they get that? Because they kept hearing in the preaching, they kept seeing faith acts. Faith moves. Faith does. I know some years ago I, I was reading, you know, where the, the man was in Jesus' midst that had the withered hand. And uh, they watched him where they would heal on the Sabbath day and Jesus told him, stand in the midst. And he got up and put yourself there. Now put yourself there. They're all glaring. And here's the thing. Even his opponents, this is what they were saying. You just watch him. He'll heal on the Sabbath day. He does it all the time. He heals on the Sabbath day. When you got the enemy confessing, healings are about to happen. Come on, are you with me? You just watch him. He'll do it. He'll do it. He'll do it. When it happens, see, I told you, I told you. Healing on the Sabbath day. <laughs> but he called a man. Stand up, stand up. He's standing there. We talk about faith, but faith is more than talk. Are y'all with me? Faith without doing is dead. So he tells the man, stretch out your hand. Now, for years, I had read that, and I thought the man's got his hands withered. I thought the man extended his arm. That's not what he told him to do. Hmm? That's not what he told him to do. What did he say? Stretch forth your hand. He can't. His hand's withered. How many times has he tried to do it? How many times has he tried to make this hand work? What's the difference? What's the difference now? What would make this time different from any other time that he struggled and tried to think it and make it? And what's different? Faith comes. And he has just heard. Oh, come on, y'all with me? He has just heard. Now, this is where you get into the other stuff. People say, well, yeah, but I did, I, I, I threw my medicine away and nothing happened. Faith without doing is dead. Doing without faith is also dead. <laughs> you have to have heard from him. Come on, are y'all with me? Three big keys to a miracle. Easy, easy. One of them you don't even have to do. Number one, you must hear from him. You must hear from him. You begin to say, I, I believe it. I thank you for it. I, I'm standing. I believe I receive. And what that will do, if you're genuinely in faith, there will come a point where the Spirit of God will speak something to you. Get up. Take a step. Stretch out. Start a church. Every 
financial miracle we've had, and we've had some amazing ones, every one of them started just like this. Stretch out your hand. Yeah, but you can't. Yeah, but he told you to. Yeah, but you don't have the money. Yeah, but he told you to. What can you do? You can take a... Come on, help me out. You... Dr. Lillian B. Oman, one of her books, she, she made this statement. She said, God delights in his children stepping out over the aching void with nothing underneath their feet except the word of God. He delights. Faith pleases him. What did he say? Stretch forth your hand. Not extend your arm. Stretch forth your hand. What happened? He obeyed. He went to the extent of what he could do to straighten his hand out, believing, and when he got to the end of what he could do, he met the anointing. This is happening in our midst. In these days, faith has been pooling. Faith has been unused. But many will begin to step out. Many will begin to reach out. Many will begin to stretch out. And the moment you do, you will meet the power of God. Now again, let's back up. Not you just deciding, I'm going to try this. Yeah, that won't work. I'm going to try this. Remember that Moses leading the people crossed the Red Sea on dry ground. It said the Egyptians attempting to do it drowned. <laughs> I'm going to try it. You're going to drown. Well, they did it. Yeah, but they heard from him. Come on, can you see this? Are you there in John 2? He said, woman, what's that to us? His mother said, whatever he says to you, do it. Come on, everybody say it out loud. Whatever he says to you, do it. It can be so simple. It can be stand up. Hmm? It can, it can be so simple. Stand up. How many times do we see Jesus told people, get up, rise, and walk? Hallelujah. Get up. Get up. Well, you can't. But if he tells you to, you can do all things through the anointing. Which strengthens you and enables you. Oh, hallelujah. God's always ready to do a miracle. Always. Always. Every day. Everywhere. But here's how it works. You seek him about your situation. Seek and you'll find. You ask. Ask it'll be given. And if you are really in faith... You'll hear from him. He'll tell you. Now don't act like you've heard from him and you hadn't heard from him. Don't make stuff up and say God said and he didn't say. All you're going to do is fall on your face. 
But if you're in faith, you will hear from him. Faithful is he. And when you hear from him, now it's not up to him. Hmm? And if we stop right there, there'll be no manifestation of power. But if we will act on what he said, we get to the end of our ability to obey. We will meet the power of God. You won't meet it laying on the couch making a confession when he told you to get up. If he told you to get up, you know when you're going to meet the power of God? Only when you get up. You remember when Joshua led the people and they crossed the Jordan and it had flooded its banks. The Lord told him, you tell the priest to carry the Ark of the Covenant and when the soles of their feet hit that water. You remember that? And the Bible said it happened exactly. That thing is rushing and it's flooded and they come walking through there. Of course, you know, it looks like you're about, you may be about to drown. You may be about to get swept away. And when their feet, not before, oh, come on, not before. Everybody wants to stand on the bank and sing Kumbaya and wait till something happens, but that's not how it works. You got to commit yourself. <laughs> Hallelujah. And when their feet got in the water, not before. Man, the water rolled back, rolled back, rolled back and came up in a heap and the rest of it washed down. And the whole group went across on dry ground as long as they're standing there. And as soon as they stepped out, Hallelujah. Whatever he says to you, do it. And so there were these water pots there. He told them, go fill them up. Would they have had a miracle if they hadn't filled them up? No. It took some effort. They couldn't just go turn the tap on. They filled these big pots up. Then he says, okay, take some out and bear it to the governor. Is it wine yet? No. Not when they filled the pot. Not when they towed the pot. Come on, can you see this? When they obeyed him and they went to give it to the governor, something happened. Something faster than you could blink your eye. When they came to the end of their ability to act on what God told them to do, they had a miracle. They met the power of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lift your hands up and say, Father God, Father God, we worship you. Come on. Worship him for a moment. Stand on your feet. Worship the Lord your God. Why, why we worship you? We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. Somebody needs to straighten out a knee right now. You, you just need to reach out, straighten that knee out in Jesus' name. Somebody needs to extend a hand. Ear be opened in Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Throat be healed. Somebody needs to take a big breath in Jesus' name. Take a big breath of healing into your lungs. Lungs be cleared. 
lungs be healed. Lungs be cleansed in Jesus' name. Oh, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Glory to God. Whatever He says to you, do it. Do it. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. I believe this is going to be ongoing. Throughout the rest of the meeting, there will be people in different places. You'll hear something from the Lord. What to do. And when you act on it, there will be a miracle. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It may be in your room. It may be in your room. Or it could be right in the middle of the service. Hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory. Let's thank him one more time. Father, we worship you. We thank you. We give you glory. We give you praises. We honor you. We magnify you. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Oh, can you tell? The Lord's always ready to do miracles. He's he's always, always ready. Always ready. Praise God. 